Hallelujah. Are you excited about Jesus Christ tonight? How many of you are really excited about Jesus tonight? Come on, let's give him a great big shout and a clap then. Very good. Wow. How many of you got your Bibles here tonight? Yeah, pull your Bibles out. I want you to turn to your neighbor. Turn it, turn and have a look at your neighbor. Smile at them. You're smiling at your neighbor. Tell them you are so much better looking when you smile. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, awesome. All right. Are you ready for the word of God tonight? Yeah. You guys are much better looking when you smile. You know that, don't you? We've got to learn how to, uh, Pastor Mike's been uh, teaching us how to relate and connect. One of the keys to relating and connecting with others is you smile. It uh, makes a big difference. Now, um, I had a revelation this morning, okay? And uh, have you got your pen with you? Yeah, okay. So uh, on the, uh, hopefully you've got some paper also because we're going to have to move fast because I don't know if I'm going to get through everything that I've got to speak tonight. But I want you to write today's date on the top of your page. The 26th of the 10th. Now, if you don't get a revelation from that, okay, you need a revelation because I wrote that down this morning and I thought, oh my word, the year is nearly gone. Do, do you know... <laughs> Do you know, do you know, there's only 60 days to Christmas. Oh, 60 days to Christmas. Now that better strike fear into the heart of every parent. Yeah, 60 days to Christmas. And I thought when I wrote that date down, I thought, oh my word, have I done everything that I wanted to do this year? All the stuff that I started this year with uh, uh, making New Year's resolutions and things that I'd hoped for and planned for this year, have I done them? I thought, oh my word, I've only got 60 days to Christmas to do all those things that I haven't done yet. That is a short time frame. How many of you, how many of the rest of you think, oh my word, I've got some things that I need to do before the end of the year? Yeah? All right. Okay, so it's good to think about the things that you want to do and that you need to do, but even better for you to think about what God wants you to do. How many of you know that God has some things that He wants you to do? You know that? Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, and uh, we're going to start in verse 10. And I loved hearing I loved hearing the testimonies this morning uh, of, the, of, the, of the guys who had been out there and just cheering and praying for people and witnessing to people and, uh, and tonight just how God is in the business of touching people's lives. Isn't that awesome? Our God is in the business of touching people's lives. And uh, right here in Acts chapter 22, we read the story of how the Apostle Paul was sharing his testimony with a bunch of angry people who wanted to literally to tear him limb from limb. They wanted to rip him apart. 
You imagine there's some bit of pressure on there, eh? And in uh, uh, sharing your testimony in, in front of such a crowd. But in the midst of him sharing his testimony, he, uh, he says some really significant things that I want to draw your attention to tonight. So I'm going to read to you from uh, verse 10, and I'm going to read right down to the end of verse 16. So are you ready? Have you got your Bible open? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed, everyone say appointed, appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. This is the, Paul's encounter with the, with the Lord Jesus that led him into salvation And it says, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, standing by me, said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And in that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of your fathers has appointed, everyone say appointed. The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear his, the voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him of everyone, of what you have seen and what you have heard. Everyone say, seen and heard. Yeah, now, I, there's some things out of here that I want to draw to your attention. First of all, Everywhere you go, you meet people and you know that people want to know that their life has some sort of meaning, has some sort of purpose. They want to know that there is a place for them to belong. They want to know that there is a role for them to play. They want to know that there is a difference that they can make in this world. They want to know that there is a legacy that they can leave in this life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And right here, Paul said, there's some things that have been appointed for me to do. There, God spoke to Paul and said, Paul, there are some things that you have been appointed to. Now, let me tell you that it wasn't just for the apostle Paul that that was written, because there are things that you and I are appointed to do, that God has appointed You and I to do some things in this earth. I thank God when I heard uh, the the people testifying this morning of what they'd done over the weekend. Those were things that God had appointed for them to do. We had 45 people out ministering on the show weekend, out amongst the lost people, doing what God had appointed for them to do. Now let me tell you, there are things that God has appointed for you to do. When we say appointment, what is it that we mean? What is it that God, what is it that he meant when he said, there are things that are appointed for you to do? It means to be assigned a place. It means to be set aside for a specific purpose. It means to be dedicated to, to a role. It means to be arranged in a military position. It means to be selected For a particular job. Now God has appointed things for you and I to do. How many of you are glad that your life has some sort of purpose and some sort of meaning? I'm glad about that myself. Uh, It gives me, uh, you know, I don't want to live a meaningless life. 
Now, the very cool thing here is, is that the appointment is reserved for those who will set aside their own agenda for life. You know, Paul, before, when he met God, when he met Jesus Christ, he was on his own agenda. He had an assignment of his own. He was going to Damascus to round up Christians, to lock them up and to throw them into prison. But God had a different plan for his life. And when God got hold of him, Paul was ready to say, God, I put aside my own agenda. Lord, what do you want me to do? See, many people, many people, they want to know, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? But then on the one side, while they're praying that, they're busy telling God what they want to do themselves. They've got their own agenda, doing what they want to do, and actually they don't want to let go of that to get a hold of what God has for them. If you want to know what God wants you to do in your life, you have to be prepared to let go of your own agenda and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Someone say amen to that. Come on. You can't take a hold of what God has for you. Well, you've still got a hold of your own agenda for your life and running with your own deal. You got to say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Now, as I was reading through Scripture, I found that there were six things, six things that God has appointed for us to do, six things for you and I to do that we've got to do. We fulfill these purposes in our lives. Five of them we get to choose. We've got some choice in them. One of them we've got no choice in at, at, at all. Now, let's see how far I can get through them because, uh, yeah, well, let's see. Anyway, who wants to know the first one? All right, first one, I want you to turn... Uh, in your Bible, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and starting in verse 17. Have you found it yet? Yeah, you've got it there? All right. I'll read in verse 17, right through to uh, at the end of 20, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Thank God. We're new creations. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Jesus Christ, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. How about that? The first appointment that we have from God is that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for him. That's an appointment. God has appointed you to be an ambassador for him. Now, how many of you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is a high-ranking official. A high-ranking official. When Jesus said that we are ambassadors for him, we're not little run-around gophers for Jesus. We are high-ranking officials for him. You and I are high-ranking officials for Jesus Christ. That's an ambassador. An ambassador is a representative of another country, 
And get this, who is skilled in relationship and peaceful negotiation. How about that? An ambassador is a representative who is skilled in relationship and peaceful negotiation. Now that's very cool because Pastor Mike has been teaching us to lift our skills in relationship. Every morning for the last, uh, for the, for the last few weeks, Pastor Mike and Evening, he's been getting you to go and talk to people. Talk to people that you don't know. And guess what? You need some skills to do that, and we're helping you to do it. One of those skills is smiling. You know, smile at the person next to you again. Tell them, again, you look much better when you smile. Yeah. You didn't need to go have cosmetic surgery or Botox. You just needed a smile. Hey, how about that? Ah. So skilled in relationship and peaceful negotiation. And you know what I find as a pastor is, is that Christians aren't very skilled in relationship. They need help. <laughs> uh, we've got all, figure this. We've got all the help in the world that we can get. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. We've got Jesus Christ who lived us a model for us. And we still blow up our marriages, our friendships, and, uh, uh, and generally annoy people. You know, you thought they didn't like your message, but no, actually they didn't like you. Because you did geeky things. Yeah, so tell the person next to you, don't do geeky things to others. Ah, <laughs> oh, my word. Am I preaching too tough on you tonight? Hey? Yeah. You know, tell the person next to you, Pastor Doug still loves you. <laughs> All right. You see, God has got a message for us. He's got a message for us that he wants to give the world. And he's entrusted with us the message of reconciliation. Isn't that incredible? Why would he do it? I don't know. Figure. But I guess he believes more in us than we even do in ourselves. I mean, would you trust yourself with the greatest message of the world? Hey, well, I don't know if I'd trust me with it. But God says, I've given it to you. You know why he's given it to you? Because he's also given you the resources that you need to fulfill the mission. He's given you the resources that you need. See, God has got a message, a message that he wants you to speak to the world. It's a message of reconciliation. What's reconciliation? Well, from my terms, reconciliation is an accounting term. It means to balance out or to bring into balance. It means to make even. And Jesus Christ came into this world to pay our immense debt, to pay the penalty that we deserved, and to make us even with God, to reconcile us with God. And that message he has entrusted to you and I as ambassadors for him to reach the world. When the people were out ministering on the show weekend, they brought a message of love and hope and reconciliation 
that God wasn't angry with them. God wasn't an angry person wanting to beat them up, but to reveal the very love of God and touch them with his spirit. And as you heard that, heard them testify, you heard that message come through and people's lives were touched. How many of you were at church this morning? Ah, that's good. How many of you weren't at church this morning? Okay, I tell you, if you weren't at church this morning, you missed an enormous message of reconciliation as pastors Mike and Joy shared their hearts this morning. I tell you, that was one of the greatest messages of reconciliation I've ever heard. I've ever heard. If you, I tell you, you need, I'm sure it'll be on the, on the internet, but you need to hear that. And uh, there wasn't many dry eyes there this morning. And uh, I'm glad they left the lights off for a fair while. Yeah? <laughs> We're all glad. <laughs> but that was a message of reconciliation, of how God has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. And we are his ambassadors. We need to be skilled at relationship. We need to be skilled and making peace with the world. Peaceful negotiation. Some people think that it is their right and their wrong in this world to just annoy the daylights out of every non-Christian around them. They think it's their God-given ministry. Let me tell you, that is not a ministry. That is not a ministry. That is a ministry that you did not receive from Jesus Christ. I believe that's a demonic ministry. Because it disqualifies you from the ministry of reconciliation, the genuine message that Jesus Christ has given to us. And let me tell you, it's a message of what we have seen and what we have heard. Many people are happy to just know, the, the, know God from the Bible, from the written word. And it's good to know God from his word. It's good to know about him. It's good to know the word of God. But right here in that scripture that Paul was talking about, that God had appointed him to be a witness, it was a witness of what he had seen and what he had heard. We are to be witnesses of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Not something from the way distant past, not something that God has done in other people's lives, but what you have seen personally of what Jesus Christ has done. That's an incredible thing because that means that each one of us, every one of us, can expect to see God to move in our lives, to experience Him to move in our lives. And if He hasn't moved in our lives and recently, there's something wrong. There's something wrong because God is working all the time and he's working in our lives today. So we are to be witnesses of what we've seen, not just what we've heard about, but what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And we need to be continually stretching out and finding Jesus Christ. What are you doing in my life right now? What are you doing? Jesus, speak. God, change something. God, pray bold prayers. Do bold things. Go step out and, and, uh, and, and step out into a, a ministry situation like that. Get involved with the, with the prophetic evangelism team. Do something like that so it puts you 
on the edge. Go on a mission trip. So it puts you on the edge to see what God is doing right now. How many of you know that you've got to experience the reality of Jesus Christ? You've got to experience Him. Yeah? You know that? It's got to be current. All right, so we are to be ambassadors of His message. I had six things that I was going to tell you about, but I don't think I'm going to get through about two of them, but that's all right, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so let's have a look. First thing we're meant to be, we're appointed to be ambassadors for Him. The second thing we're, to, we're appointed to do, turn in your Bible to John chapter 15 and verse 16. John chapter 15 and verse 16. Have you found it? All right. It says here, Jesus talks to his disciples. And he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. God has appointed us that we would be fruit producers. Tell the person next to you, you're appointed to produce fruit. You're appointed to produce fruit. Now, I I spent three years... Study. I spent four years studying at university, but three of those years, I spent studying fruit production, would you believe? So I know some things about fruit production. Let me tell you some lessons on, on fruit production. This is 101 fruit production. First of all, fruit is grown. It doesn't appear immediately. It doesn't just happen. It takes time. Fruit is growing in your life. I'll tell you another thing about fruit. Some fruit I really like. Some fruit is okay. And some fruit is just flat out bad. All right. <laughs> we, are, we are appointed to produce fruit. We're fruit producers. Now, I kind of like apples. Apples I like. Some fruit I like apples. Mangoes I really like. Who likes mangoes? Oh, yeah. I like mangoes. Richard and Amanda, when they were in the Philippines, they lived on mangoes. More mangoes. I love mangoes. There's some fruit I love. Some fruit is sour, like lemons. It needs a lot of sugar. And some fruit is just flat out bad. Absolutely bad. I, um, how many of you have done some things as kids that you're ashamed of now and wish you hadn't? Okay. <laughs> Someone block my children's ears, okay? <laughs> so uh, I remember as a kid, this, I wasn't a Christian when I was a kid, so you, you, this, doesn't, this doesn't give you any right to do these things, okay, guys? <laughs> I didn't receive Jesus Christ until I was 20. Okay, but I, as a high school student, we drove on the bus all the way from the country into town, and uh, I sat with uh, one of my friends, and he was bad, okay? He was, he was a bad dude. <laughs> Not me. I was, I was a good boy, okay? And uh, uh, just so happened that one season, as we were sitting on the bus together, 
we noticed a tree as we were coming into town. And this tree had the most beautiful looking fruit I'd ever seen. Amazing. And every day as we were going in and out of town, my friend and I would look at that fruit tree and say, I've never seen anything like that. What is it? It looks really beautiful. They were orange things. And, uh, and then we started, it become a lust. We hatched a plan. The fruit looked good. We wanted to eat the fruit. So one day on our PE run out around town, my friend and I took a shortcut across the block. Children, don't try this at home, okay? We took a shortcut. We quickly found the place. We jumped the fence. We grabbed some of that beautiful orange fruit, and we ran down the street flat out, thinking that we had scored the treasure. Okay? So we got somewhere quiet where no one was around, and we busted open that fruit, and we stuffed it into our greedy little mouths, and oh my word, it was bad. It was slap your grandmother bad. It was, it was, it was very bad. It was, it sucked the moisture out of my mouth. How many of you have heard of astringent persimmons? Okay. Well, I didn't know about astringent persimmons then. Uh, I did soon then, at that point, discover that some fruit, no matter how good it looks, it is bad, bad, bad. I don't know how you can eat that stuff. Some fruit is just flat out bad. There's another fruit in, uh, in Singapore that we, uh, we smell it. It's called durian. And some people like durian, but durian smells like the sewers. It stinks. It reeks. And they tell me that it might smell bad, but the taste is really good. Well, I believed them one day and regretted it for a whole week afterwards. It was bad because I ate it. I couldn't get the taste out of my throat. I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth no matter how many times I brushed my teeth. And worse than that, I couldn't scrub the the smell of it off my fingers. It was bad. Some fruit is good. Some fruit needs a lot of sugar. And some fruit is just flat out bad. Let me ask you tonight, what sort of fruit are you producing? If you were a tree, what sort of fruit will you produce? Are you producing mangoes? Are you producing lemons? And everyone around you has to take you with a whole lot of sugar. (laughs) Are you a tree that is just producing flat out bad durian, bad, astringent persimmon, bad fruit? You see, the people around you will know what sort of fruit you're producing. What sort of fruit are you producing? Get honest with yourself. If you're really honest, ask the person next to you, what sort of fruit do you think I'm producing? Dare you? Do you dare? Do you dare or do you know it already? Do you know it already? 
You see, the fruit that we should be producing comes out of a life with God. And it's sweet. Fruit of love. Fruit of joy. Fruit of peace. God has appointed that we produce those sorts of fruit in our lives. And if we're not producing those sorts of fruit, if we're not producing those sorts of fruit, we need to rip the tree out and start again. There's no cure for it because a durian plant will only produce durian fruit. A stringent persimmon tree will only produce a stringent nasty, nasty, nasty fruit. A lemon tree will only produce sour fruit that needs a lot of sugar. You don't want the people around you to need to carry a bowl of sugar to deal with you. We want to be producing good fruit. Tell the person next to you, be a producer of good fruit. Be a producer of good fruit. I've told you only two things that we're appointed to do. I'll tell you one last one. One last one. Uh, because actually there's six of them that, that uh, we're appointed to do, that, that God has appointed for us. And I haven't even touched on some of the exciting ones. Maybe some other time I'll, I'll get to, uh, to do that. But, uh, you know, I want you to turn in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Can I have the band, please? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. See, we are, impo- we are appointed to be his ambassadors. We are appointed by him to bring the message of reconciliation to a lost world. We are appointed to bear fruit. We are also appointed. We are appointed to stand before God at the end of our lives. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. And this is kind of a, a, this is is a sobering one, guys. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it says, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. There's no second chances at life, guys. There's no second chances. As much as people would like to tell you that life is a never-ending cycle, there is no dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. And it is appointed for man, each one of us, to stand before God at the end of our lives. It's the real thing. Now, the awesome thing is, is that for those who have received Jesus Christ, for those who have turned from their sin and trusted Jesus for their salvation, those who have received the message of reconciliation, it's not something that we need to fear. It's something that we can be excited about because for us, It's a judgment of reward. We don't need to fear. 
we stand before God with our sins forgiven. And we stand before Him to receive the reward of fulfilling what God has appointed for us to do. It's a reward. What an awesome thing to step into eternal life and to receive the reward of our labor here on this earth, knowing that we don't have to be held account for our sins. They were paid for. But for those who never humbled themselves, who never turned from their sin, who never trusted Him, who never said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who would let go of their own agenda? There is an eternal judgment. And the Bible says that those people who have not received Jesus Christ into their lives, there's only one place for them. The place is called hell. And I know that that's a hard thing to preach, but it's the truth, people. It's the truth. You see, right now, I want every one of us to get real clear with God because this is so important. Every eye closed, every head bowed. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ entered this world doing good, setting people free, healing them, delivering them, set people free who were oppressed by the devil. Then at the end of his life, he went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross by sinful men and women. And on that cross, he died. He poured out his life. His blood was poured out to pay the debt for you and I, for you and I, that we could receive life. But three days later, this is the good news. Keep your eyes closed and your head down. This is a holy time. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He overcame the grave and he rose up from the dead. And he's alive today. He's alive today. And one day, you and I will stand before him. No matter what you believe, you will stand before him, people. Maybe you're here tonight, you're backslidden or you're lukewarm. You wouldn't know if you died tonight whether you'd really go to heaven. You're not sure about that. Tonight, will you turn from your sin and will you receive Jesus Christ? You see, you can choose not to. You can keep on living life your own way. But there's a consequence for that. I already talked about that. Or you can surrender your life tonight to Jesus Christ. You can leave this place knowing that your sins are forgiven. That all, all, all of your debts are paid. That your place in heaven is assured. And that your life is ultimate purpose and meaning in this world.